Hello. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How's my sound? Uh, yeah, I can hear you fine. Sounds great. Okay. Good. So I don't really know where to start. Um, Do you want me to read uh, back to you what you wrote to me and we can sort of start from there? Sure. Okay. Um, well, you originally, you had talked about some tension since you posted about UPB at the Skeptics Guide Forum. Right. And then um, you said that you got emails from your dad you hadn't heard from in over a year. You have ambivalence about trying to recreate a relationship with him and your grandmother. You also have ambivalence about her. And you've done everything you can to avoid thinking about these issues, um, which is the skeptics post, your interactions with the nihilists and so on. And um, so you said the last thing you wrote was, I'm sad right now. And the thought that preceded it is, what do I do? I'm lost, but I have a map and I know the way to go. One part of me knows I need to RTR with myself to move on. But the other part of me does everything it can to avoid the action that is most important to my happiness. Right. So, action, And what action is that? Is that the RTR with yourself or is that something else? Yeah, the RTR with myself. Um, I find myself recently, um, it's not just in RTRing with myself, but just in everything that I, you know... The things that I want to do to um, to make my life what I want it to be, not just in uh, my relationship with myself, but in my relationship with my work and my relationship with my um, just day-to-day -day activities. Um, there's a bunch of things that I've wanted to do that I find myself just putting off everything recently, um, like extreme procrastination to the point where, you know, I haven't cleaned my apartment in a long time. I haven't, um, I had all summer to get my lessons in order for this coming term and I did none of it. And, uh, of course, the most important thing is this RTRing with myself, which I have. Um, I did it a little bit after I broke up with my girlfriend in June, but then I just stopped. Um, and as of recently, I've started drinking more, not excessively, but just more than I was in the last six months or so. Right. Instead of, you know, having a drink with friends once, once or twice a month, it's been like drinking at home, you know, every other night or three times a week or something like that. So, and wait, when you say drinking at home, what do you mean? I mean like a couple of beers um, just by myself while I'm on the internet or watching TV or whatever. Right, okay. And, um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know where to start. There's so many things going on that I just don't know what, um, what I should do. I just don't, I mean, I don't know how to stop the, the procrastination. 
Um, I mean, I've listened to your procrastination videos and thinking about, yeah, there's nothing I have to do. Um, I understand that, but then there's, you know, there's these things that I really want to do, like be really happy. And um, the things that I know are required for that goal, I'm also procrastinating on. Right, right. Right, which means that you're ambivalent about the goal, right? Right, I guess. I mean, well, sorry, that's not obvious, right? But to yeah. take the example, if if you've really got to pee, right? You've been right. skiing all afternoon and it's really cold and you've really got to pee, you're not ambivalent about going to pee, right? Right. Your goal is to relieve your bladder and you... You do it, just right? Do it. Hopefully yeah. your zipper doesn't get stuck in the snowsuit, right? Or whatever, right? But but right. you just go do it, right? So um, so that's an example of a goal that's, that's not ambivalent, right? Right. And I, I don't want to interrupt what you want to say, so um, please continue if you want to, but I'm, I'm, I can ask questions at any time. Uh, I have really nothing else to say at this moment. How's your um, life as a whole these days? The arc of your life, the big picture of your life, like you look back at this period in, in say, 10 years, what are you going to think and feel about it? Um, I'm not sure exactly what you mean. I, like, how am I going to look at, at how I've spent my time during this period of my life? Yeah, I mean, we have, um, we have a kind of arc in my opinion, sort of about her life, right? And, and so, you know, if you become a doctor, you go to med school, you have an arc, you, you know, you, um, you go, you become an intern, then you become a doctor, you work for other people for a while, then you set up a private practice, and, you know, there's kind of like an arc, right? Right. Well, and, um, sorry, this, go no, ahead. you can have lots of different arcs in life, like I've had actors, students, um, suffer guy, philosophy guy so you can have it's not like it's all going to be one thing but how's the overall arc of your life and where you are and where you're going and uh, how do you feel about your life not in the day by day but in the bigger picture arc of things well in to be honest in the bigger arc of things i feel pretty confident um i mean I'm working right now. The only thing I'm not procrastinating on is my uh, it's my study of of the language and my um, you know my development of my ideas about what I want to do in the future as far as work goes. Those things um, I feel very comfortable with, um, and also I mean I've I've come to a point where I'm. Um, I understand what my past relationships have been. So as far as the arc of um, finding the right woman and getting into you know a relationship that I can be happy and I feel comfortable in my progression there. Um, but those things are things involving other people. As far as the arc of what I'm doing for myself, looking at this past two months, um, I look like I feel like I'm going backwards.
if that makes um, any sense. Yeah, sorry. In, in what way do you feel that you're going backwards? Um, like, I just feel like I'm more distant from myself now than I was, you know, four months ago, three months ago. And, yeah, I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what that... I feel like I'm not making any sense. No, no, you're you're doing you're doing just fine, right? I mean, if you were a laser of precision at the moment, then you wouldn't be procrastinating, right? So this is this is no problem, right? Um, so, I mean, you said that you broke up with your girlfriend in June. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it was just. Um... I had been thinking about doing it for a long time and um, was very ambivalent about it. Um, but, you know, through with a few talks with like uh, Mr. C on the chat room and um, thinking about it, I just realized that uh, there was no real future in that relationship. So we, we uh, well, I ended it which was um, it was very difficult at the time in that she was um, I think she wasn't expecting it and she was very um, she was of course very sad and you know things like that but also she said some things during the breakup that made me realize that it was not a bad decision so I feel very comfortable with it she said some stuff like um, oh you just do your own way um, you know you don't you're not considerate of other people's feelings just you know you don't feel any love so you end up a relationship even though I feel love things like that when she oh, said that I was like yeah, oh. that's pretty horrible right Right, yeah. I mean, when she said that, it's like, wow. And actually, those statements are the first statements that I was able to kind of access my ecosystem with. Um, I talked with myself about those, um, those statements and just really came to a very comfortable place with the breakup. Like the first week after we broke up, maybe first week, week and a half, I was really, it was kind of sad every day and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't get her out of my mind and things. And then from that moment with the ecosystem and thinking, focusing on those things that she said that were really horrible, um, really helped. Now, was it late June that you, um, was it early or late June that you broke up? Early June. Okay. And you haven't spoken since, is that right? With her? Yeah. No, I've spoken with her. Oh, um, you have spoken with her. Okay. And what's that been like? Um, just real friendly. Um, she, a couple weeks ago, um, was in my town and she said, you know, I'm going to be around. Uh, would you want to meet for dinner? And I thought about it and I thought, you know, I don't feel very comfortable with this. And I sent 
you know, I talked to her about it, saying, you know, I don't know, what's your reason for wanting to do this? Is it not, don't you think it might be too soon? And she said, eh, you know, I just want to meet his friends. And I thought, what the hell, give it a try. And it wasn't so bad. Um, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. It was very friendly and not uncomfortable at all having the dinner with her. Um, and then we have a mutual friend that was performing in a festival and we met in the big city nearby to um, see her in that festival. And then after that, I left and went and met some other friends. So I've seen her twice, but um, I don't know if I'm going to go see her again just because both of those times, while they were pleasant enough, they weren't exactly... Mm, spectacular and considering their previous sexual relationship I just don't see any point in continuing okay so just step me through this bit so she she says these horrible things to you right right like you're selfish um, you are cold you know just just really wounding things right right and it's, they're horrible to these things are horrible to hear right they do a lot of damage right yeah. And the damage that they do is not just about the future, but it's also about the past, right? Because what you do, or at least I think what you do, is you look back and you say, who is this person that I was with? How long were you guys together? A year and a half. A year and a half. So you say, holy shit, I was with someone for a year and a half who could say these things to me. Isn't that kind of like it's? Well, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, but when you think about it in that in that way, and you may have, of course. I mean, what does it what does it feel like when you think about it like that? Um, I'm having a hard time accessing any feelings thinking about it that way. Um, I felt for a minute, for a moment, uh, a sadness, but it's gone already. Um, but it wasn't about the feeling, it wasn't about thinking about it for the past year and a half that brought the sadness. It's, the sadness was more thinking about how I could easily, so easily forget that. Well, and look, I have extraordinary sympathy for you for this, right? I mean, this is, um, it speaks volumes about the degree of emotional sensitivity that wasn't there when you were being raised, right? So right. tell me, um, uh, do, do you want me to ask a question? I don't want to you know, put you on the spot if you're kind of in a numb place. So if you want to talk, obviously feel free. I'm happy to keep asking questions if you're finding this to be helpful. Yeah, questions are good. Okay. So <clears throat> how long was it between the time that she said these terrible things to you and when you saw her at the, uh, at the festival? Well, you had dinner with her. 
Yeah, um, about two months. And you had no contact during that two-month period? Um, only, um, only extremely superficial. I had um, borrowed some money shortly before we broke up, and I was just, just the contact was things about that. But besides that, no real contact, no. Now, did she ever apologize to you for the things that she said? No. Uh, she didn't? No. Now, <clears throat> because nobody's perfect in relationships, um, we all say stuff that we, uh, we regret, and so we, you know, man up and we apologize and so on. Now, did you say things to her that were um, uh, uh, cruel during the breakup, or were you mostly a punching bag in that way? Um, I didn't think of anything that I said to her as cruel at the time, uh, and I don't recall anything. I mean, I was really just, I tried to be as honest with her about my reasons as possible, things like, I mean, something I just thought of that may be cruel, um, I'm not sure. But I told her, um, you know, the reason that I don't see that we can continue this way is because I don't feel like you have a uh, path. I feel like you're just um, trying to latch onto my path, like you have no, no ambition for yourself, and I can't be happy in a relationship with someone like that. Right. And look, breakups are really tough because I think that we do owe people some truth if we've been together with them for a while. And now, I don't think that you were saying that she was a bad person, just that you had mismatched levels of ambition, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, I never, I never said anything about, you know, along the lines of you're a bad person and so I want to leave you. It's just, you know, mostly it was just, mostly when we broke up, I talked about how I was not listening to myself, how I was not um, doing what was my, in my best interests. And that's what brought up the, I think, the selfish comments, was I really was focusing on myself I'm sorry, you said uh, you expressed your, your true thoughts and feelings. You weren't being manipulative. If you, I'm sure what you're saying is correct. And you're saying that is what brought up the selfish comment? Well, I think from her point of view, yeah, that looks like very selfish. I mean, considering the culture she was raised in. Right, so Japanese, right? Okay. Um but why would you flip into her perspective, right? Because like, you, you understand that, that your perspective and her perspective are kind of merged in this story. Right. Well, I yeah. think that, sorry, I think that it's important to be, to, to differentiate these two perspectives. Okay. Well, from my perspective, I was just talking about myself. Um, uh, there were a few things I mentioned about what I thought of her as far as her ambition and her, her goal, her goals in life and um, how she's, she was always kind of distant emotionally 
and I talked about those things, but for the most part, it was just, I really focused on what I was feeling, thinking about the relationship. Right. Sorry, had you had any conversations with her prior uh, to this breakup about uh, mismatches in ambition and so on? Um, nothing, nothing explicit. I mean, I had, I had ha asked her before many times about, you know, what does she want to do? And I always got, I don't know, or um, just want to have kids, things like that. Right. And those conversations always ended very quickly. Cause there's just nowhere to go with that. Or at least I thought there was nowhere to go with it at the time. And was she fairly upfront about this early on in the relationship, that she was not particularly ambitious? Um, looking back, yeah. It was pretty clear from the, from the beginning. Right, so you're like, um, I guess you exchanged I love yous, right? No, uh, she said it, but I never reciprocated. You never said I it? Never you never felt I it. never yeah, I never felt it. So So from her standpoint, I mean, people obviously latch out when they're hurt, that's no big insight, but um So she's like, Well, I'm the same person that you were with a year ago, a year and a half ago. I haven't changed, I haven't become a different person. But now I'm not enough, right? Uh yeah. And that's kind of frustrating for someone, right? Right. I'm not saying, I mean, look, you had to take care of yourself and, and, you know, there's no point being in a relationship with someone you don't love. But was it that you didn't value ambition as much a year and a half ago? Or did that, or like, how was it, how was it okay and then not okay? Um, I, I valued ambition, but... Um, it was lower on my hierarchy of values than um, my value of having someone to have sex with, to be honest. Um, well, that's frank. I mean, that's, that's good, right? That means we don't have to beat around the bush, so to speak. Um, yeah. So was it like you used it for sex kind of thing? Was that the idea? Well, it wasn't. I didn't feel like I was using her for sex at the time. My thoughts were, you know, she's a really nice girl. Um, you know, we both enjoy the sex, and you know, maybe, maybe she'll change. Is what I thought throughout most of the relationship. It is when I started listening to FDR and started realizing, you know, people don't change. I know I don't know why I keep thinking this. Um, that I started to question that um, train of thought but at that point we had already been together for nine or ten months and right. it was kind of like well I've already put this much into it let's keep going I don't even know at that point um, but the initial starting of the sex sexual part of the relationship was never about let's just get this girl in the bed it was more like you know she's really 
nice. She's, um, she's interesting to talk to, but I think that might have been mostly because of the language difference, um, looking back. But yeah, at the time, it was just like, um, I had no problem getting into a, you know, somewhat entertaining, fun, like we enjoyed spending time with each other and there was sex, but there was never love. Well, for you, for I mean, side. you found Yeah, for my side, right. Just out of curiosity, are you outside? It sounds like there are cars going through your living room. Um, I, my apartment's right by the road where cars are going by all the time. Oh, okay. It's just just wondering if there was a window. It's just the window. Sorry. Sure. Um, okay. Now, would you like me to? Uh, I mean, I can either make my own decision, or if you have a preference, of course. Would you like me to focus on the relationship or on the subsequent um, procrastination? Well, to me, the two are not unrelated, but it's your call. Um, I wasn't really thinking about the relationship, but if you think that the procrastination might be related to that, I'm willing to go there. Well, isn't what you just talked to me about a big procrastination? Yeah. Am I, I, am I, I, am I reading it. too much into that, or did I miss something? It seems to me, right? But No, I just, I missed something. I didn't even see that. Um, yeah, that was a huge procrastination. Right, so it's not it's not a new thing, right? Yeah, but so go on. Um, go on where? Sorry. Well, I mean, what was the feeling that you got when you got that procrastination thing? Because I didn't have to explain any of it, right? You got it like right away. Tell me what you got there. It was just um, it was a bit of a self attack. Um, a bit of some clog language. Um, it was a self-attack. I said, you know, the first thing I thought was, I can't believe you didn't see that. Right, like you idiot kind of thing? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, in a sense, the relationship was killing time, right? Having sex and killing time and having fun. I mean, I'm obviously not saying that it was nothing there, but uh, right. it was, you were treading water, right? Yeah, that's a great metaphor for it. That's exactly what I was doing. So, I mean, there's a kind of procrastination in that. Um, when you started to get interested in philosophy, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I throw lots of dire and dramatic-sounding warnings into the uh, podcast that when I start in on relationships saying, you know, the landscape will look different at the end of this, a lot different than at the beginning, right? But, but that wasn't something that you took hugely seriously, right? Um, no. I mean, of course, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, this is, this makes a lot of sense. It's very true. I need to heed these warnings, but in my actions, absolutely not. And did you attempt to share, uh, I'm sure you did, what were your attempts to share your growing interest in philosophy with your girlfriend? Um, initially it was superficial things about the state and about, um, uh, 
about the existence of gods and um, you know supernatural things and paranormal things but and she was pretty accepting of most of those things I think that's what part of what led me to want to continue is she very quickly said yeah it doesn't make much sense to have a state does it and she was atheist before we met um, she still has some supernatural beliefs but um, things like the soul and whatnot. but we didn't really delve too deep into those and then it came to a point um, around the beginning of this year I suppose um, where I really started to get into the family and uh, emotional stuff and compared to the previous openness about talking about um, no gods and no states uh, she shut down really quickly every time every time we tried to get anywhere with the emotional or familiar discussions well and I mean given her culture that's not a shock right right I mean that's a I mean that's a family centric culture to say the least right yeah right, right. all right so and and how uh, how long ago was this though that you started to bring this uh, this stuff up? Um, it really started. So we went together to um, California to um, visit my family and my friends during Christmas, and it started. I started talking about this stuff after I came back, because that was actually. Um, the first time I had read On Truth while I was on that trip. Oh, really? Yeah. So you brought On Truth. Oh, that's interesting. A bold choice. Yeah. Um, well, I I had figured that On Truth was pretty much the, you know, a very similar message to everything I was getting in the podcast, and I was spending so much time going through the podcast that. Um, you know, I bought On Truth for friends and stuff, just as an introduction without reading it. Um, just because, you know, I had gotten so much out of the podcast that I figured a short book like that would be a great introduction for people that don't listen to podcasts. You know? Right. But after listening to On Truth, and I guess shortly after that, RTR came out and I started to read that. And going through those books really led to the focus. So I guess it was about um, January or February that I started um, these kind of conversations with her. Right, and they never went very far, right? I mean, she sounds a little passive, right? So, so she's a little like uh, is uh, an understatement. Yeah, I'm sure it is, right? Sorry, <laughs> yeah. here I am speaking Swiss suddenly. I'm trying to be <laughs> delicate. I'm not very good at that. Um, but, uh, uh, so she's like, yeah, there's no God, right? But, but then, of course, the, the fierce defense of the family, right? Which, or the fierce avoidance of topics that would be anxiety-provoking in that way, right? Right. Like, I mean, she is so passive. So, of course, my first thought is it's, it's her, you know, when she was a child, things that happened there. Well, sure. And anytime we tried to de delve into that, you know, she just... It's like, I can't remember, there's nothing special, you know, I don't know why you want to talk about this, um, it's in the past, and things like this. 
Right. It's just very difficult to go anywhere. But not difficult. It was impossible. Well, I mean, uh, this is going to be a gross generalization, but um, I still will uh, will will say it that the Oriental culture does not recognize the unconscious. Right. It's like, why would something that happened 20 years ago have any possible effect on me now? It's like you're trying to bandage a cut knee that I got when I was five years old. Right. They haven't gone through the, you know, post-medieval Renaissance Enlightenment through to the 19th century revolution in human thinking where we accept and understand the, the, the unconscious and the long-term effects of early experiences. Well, yeah, I mean, generally, I think that's true. There's, um, there does seem to be a rise in um, uh, psychology clinics. Um, but I, from what I understand, most of the population doesn't visit them much. It's a small minority that is starting to understand the, that kind of Western advance in public. But, yeah. You're definitely right on the whole. Right, and you, you can't talk philosophy with people who don't understand the unconscious. Because they won't be able to understand where their defenses of the logical arguments comes from. Right, they will always project their discomfort uh, with the logical arguments onto you, and uh, it will become manipulative. Right. And they won't be able to say... Wow, I got upset. I wonder why. They can't RTR. Again, I'm not talking about all, all, all Orientals. I'm talking about people who don't have the unconscious down as something they respect. They will get upset, and they will just immediately externalize that upset, right? What do you mean externalize? In what, in what way? Well, if, um, uh, if I'm talking, just take a silly example. If I'm talking with a Christian as I was on, on this Michael Bednarik show, and I talk about secular ethics, right? Right. Well, the Christians all got mad, right? Yeah. Now, if they recognize the unconscious, and God knows religious people are bad at recognizing the unconscious, because religion's just this monstrous fucking projection anyway, mm-hmm. but if they had recognized the unconscious, they would have been saying, well, why am I upset? All this guy is doing is talking about secular ethics. So what, right? Uh, right, right. But when they get upset, they would, first of all, they would have to understand that they're upset because they have doubts about religion, not because I am not religious. Right. And so an unconscious, somebody who was aware of something called the unconscious, would say, why am I getting so upset? It can't be the other person who is simply a nice fellow talking on the radio. Right. Therefore, it must be something in me. Right. And of course, it comes down to being lied to as a child and bullied into believing this cultish nonsense called religion. And of course, the harm that you've done to other people, if you're this kind of person, especially if you're a parent, all that on truth stuff. I mean, it brings up a lot of complicated and hostile and upset and angry feelings for people. Because, of course, if, 
if the secularists who have already taken over science and and biology uh, and physics, sorry, science, biology is sort of redundant. But if we also take over ethics, then what the hell is the point of believing in a God? I mean, ethics is the last stand of Christianity. So when I start to chisel away at that, they get all freaked out, right? And, but they're unconscious, so all they do is project it and say that I'm doing something bad, right? Right. And so you have caught this a little bit as an infection. Well, we have to be careful with the people we spend time around, particularly unconscious people. That's why I pointed out earlier when you said, she called me selfish because I was speaking in a selfish manner. Because that is a non, that's a very unsophisticated way of, of putting it. And of course, I know that you're a very sophisticated and intelligent man. So that's the kind of infection that we get from the people we spend time with if they're unconscious. We, we gain their virus of unconsciousness. Or we yeah. not gain, yeah. we are infected by it. Yes, for sure. I mean, everyone rubs off on us, right? Which is not quite as much fun as it sounds. Right. So because she doesn't recognize the unconscious, all she does is avoid the unconscious. And the whole culture, if you look at uh, uh, Oriental and Japanese culture in particular, it's all about avoiding the unconscious, right? It's right. all high stimulus. It's all shrieky. It's all yelly. It's all out outward um, uh, show, it's all status, it's all whatever, right? Yeah, that's true. It's very true. So, and these crazy game shows, right? It's just mad stimulus, right? The, <clears throat> the lower the level of sophistication, the more external stimulus is needed, right? To counter the inner emptiness and depression, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's another place that's really clear. It's just in the general fashion. Uh, these insane fashions here in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And the agony comes out in these freaky, horrifying Ghibli movies or whatever, some of the freaky anime. Anyway, we don't have to get into all of that. But and so, the, sorry, you were going to say? No, it's just, I just never have thought about it that way before. That makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah, for sure. And you have the, uh, I mean, you've experienced this, right? That you got progressively... You weren't boxed in in the beginning because you were not trying to expand in this kind of way, right? Right. But then you sure got boxed in over time when you began to try and grow and you ran very quickly into the barriers in your relationship, right? Right. And there was no possibility that you could reach that part of her that would be willing to say, in the good old RTR fashion, I'm upset and I don't know why. She always had an answer as to why she was upset, right? Yeah, I mean, if she'd even admit she was upset. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, the first defense is denial, right? And then, yeah. uh, and then it's projection and all the other. So, so she says, I'm not upset. And then she says, well, I'm upset because you keep pestering me about this childhood stuff, which is not important. Right. In other words, I'm upset because of what you're doing. Isn't that the basic mantra? Either I'm not upset or I'm only upset because of what you're doing. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what the breakup was like. And, yeah, was like and I bet you if you look further back, 
um, she was setting off these landmines all over the place and you were getting more and more inhibited until you just gave up, right? Yeah. Give up's a good description of it. I, you know, for the last two months of a relationship or so, maybe even longer, I just didn't even bother trying talking about it. She just continued in the relationship, just getting more and more frustrated with it. Right, right. And I mean, of course, you knew that um, that the end was coming, but, you know, there's lots of... So there was lots of procrastinate. I mean, you, you had the tools, right, for sure. Uh, I mean, you you could have called me, right, eight months ago. Yeah. And I'm not saying you should have. I'm, I mean, you, you, it's a process, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of procrastination in 2008 for you. Yeah. Crossing your fingers, hoping for the best, things will turn around, something will change, right? Right. Because I bet you you knew a long time ago that it was not going to be a woman you were going to spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. And again, I, I'm not criticizing. I mean, this is nothing like that, just so you understand. I just, I'm trying to give you a sense so, so you can avoid the stuff in the future. But sorry, you were going to say. Um, I almost don't want to say it just because it sounds so stupid, but um, I, I knew I didn't, I wasn't going to spend the rest of my life with her before I even went to California with her. Oh, I mean, I have no doubt of that. I mean, it doesn't sound stupid. To me, it would be crazy if you, if you did think you were going to spend the rest of your life with her. That would be really bad, right? Right. I guess so. But, so yeah, you, I you guess that. so? No, I, yeah, you're right. It would have been worse to have thought I did have a chance with her. Now, did she think that she was going to spend the rest of her life with you? And I'm not saying this is the only reason you ever get together with someone, but, you know, you you with this woman for a good good chunk of time, right? Yeah. Um, I am pretty sure she did. Um, just from the kinds of things she talked about, the... Uh, the way she acted and also just generally because of her age um, she was 25 and basically in Japan if you're a 25 year old woman and you're not married yet every relationship from then on out is alright this is the one yeah that's not just Japan but um, okay um, and so this woman that you were not going to marry ever you took to see right. your parents over Christmas well, not my parents, but yeah. Sorry, your family. Right. Um, how do you think she, I mean, how did she perceive that in terms of where your relationship was going? I think she probably uh, perceived it as a big step. She never said anything about how she perceived it. She just... But you know. Yeah. Yeah. She saw it as a big step. Well, she thought the next thing is the ring, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying. I'm not really. Tell me if I'm off base, right? I mean, this is your relationship, right? But no, I mean, I don't know if she expected it immediately, but um, I am sure that's what her thought was. The next step in the relationship was all right. Here comes the ring. 
So, well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not like uh, on the on the plane home, but there's there's not a lot of steps between come and stay with my family and here's a ring, right? Right. Right. And so, do you, was she hanging on for that? Do you think? Is that that's what she wanted, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she wanted. She wanted the ring. So she wanted to marry you. You in no way, shape, or form were ever going to marry her, right? right. Certainly not after January. Yes, certainly not after January. So it's a, it's a little cruel, right? I mean, I don't mean to sound harsh, right? No, it is. And that's... I mean, that realization is what finally said, you know, I gotta stop putting this off and just do it, just end it. You mean um, part of that sort of she's waiting for a ring and I'm not gonna marry her? Well, yeah. The cruelty of continuing a relationship that I knew wasn't going anywhere and that she was expecting to be end up in a relationship. And for, that, you should, and for that you should totally be commended in my opinion. I think that was a, a very gentlemanly, uh, mature and uh, and positive step. Thanks. Now it's hard, right? I mean, because, you yeah. know, we're guys. Nothing changes for us. We can cook along like Groundhog Day, right? Every day's the same as the last. We got no clock. We don't have, you know, our wombs aren't ticking, you know, that kind of stuff, right? Right. The comfort of the everyday in the immediate moment always seems better than the drama of a breakup, right? Yeah. But, you know, I just had a thought that it, it was cruel again to go back to give in and see her again in this past month just because by going to see her so soon it might be maybe she has an idea that maybe we can still get back together maybe she has an idea that there's still some chance and she- oh sorry yeah, I, I, yes I think that Jen this is just my opinion doesn't mean anything right but, but I think you were cruel going back to see her but not for the reason you think Really? Yeah. What What's the reason you think? Well, the reason that I think that you were cruel, and again, it doesn't mean you were, it's just my thoughts, right? But the reason that I think you were cruel was that uh, you didn't bring up uh, how much she'd hurt you in the breakup. Right. I... I see how that's bad for me, but actually I don't see how it's cruel to her. Well, um, because she didn't bump up against anyone and understand that her actions were hurtful, you were enabling her habits of this kind of cruelty to continue, right? Because you go see her like, hey, everything's fine. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we had a breakup, but we can be palsy, right? Right. Yeah, you said horrible things to me that laid me really low, but I'm not going to bring them up and let's have a pleasant dinner. That's that's real vengeance there. Vengeance? Vengeance, yeah. Because you're condemning her to repeat this mistake by not giving her any feedback other than nothing happened. Everything's fine. You weren't cruel. That's real cruel, in my opinion. Right. 
Is that I, I know this is an obtuse thing, but tell me what what you think of it. No, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. She's never gonna date another guy. <laughs> almost never. There's almost no possibility she's gonna date another guy who's read RTR and has the capacity to speak honestly with her about her bad behavior during a breakup, right? Right. So you no, and the that's... one chance she had to see how destructive she could be. Yeah, and that's when I talked to Mr. C back in June before the, we broke up, that's what we talked about. He said, you know, he said the same thing. He said the same thing. That, you know, by breaking up with her, by ending it, I'm giving her a chance to um, to have a real relationship because she can see that she doesn't, that people don't have to be, um, don't have to be tied down to the other person's, to the other person's feelings. Like there's no obligation to someone else if you're not feeling something you can. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, but perhaps you're going somewhere with that. But, well, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, it was that part of what helped me finally just do it was thinking that um, by ending this, I'm doing something good for me and her, but through going back to it, uh, but going back to having, you know, just this friendly relationship with her. I just but that's bad for her. Let, let me try. I, I don't think I made my point very well. Let me just. I'll try it once more. We don't have to spend too long on it. But if you want her to have a better relationship with someone in the future than she had with you, and it sounds like yeah. part of what you want for her, right? Then not telling her that she has the capacity for painful cruelty is going to ensure that she does it again in the future. That's wrecking her future relationships as well. Right. Now, if you tell her, you know, look, you have this capacity for great cruelty, which is really, and, and you know, not condemning, right? It's just great cruelty, which was very painful to me during our breakup. I want you to have a better relationship. I may be the last guy that you ever want to hear this from, and you can just hear me out, then you can call me an idiot and hang up if you want. I want you to have a better relationship with a man than you had with me. And I'm telling you, if you if you want that too, you've got to look into the degree to which you can hurt someone verbally. Because that's not good for a relationship. Because it really hurt me. And I can't come to dinner and pretend that nothing happened. Because, I, I mean, it laid me low for weeks. Right. That would give... Now, she made say you're a jerk and hang up on you but but your conscience is clear right right because you gave her as much of an opportunity as possible to see her dark side right whereas if you just go to dinner like nothing happened you're sealing her in that tomb so to speak and i'm not trying to make you feel bad and it's certainly it's not a it's not a huge deal but i think it's important for you to understand that you got her back, right? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So, 
the procrastination that you you've saying you're feeling over the last two months is that right? Yeah. This is not a new thing, as far as I can see. Uh, and we've just talked about your relationship, but that's was I think the big uh, the big issue, right? I mean, over the last six months or so. Well, it wasn't the only one, but it was the biggest one, yeah. Right, because you got a lot of family stuff as well, right? Right. You know, there is, um, you know, the, there's, the, there's an old Greek saying, it says, take what you want and then pay for it, right? Yeah. Life's a buffet, but you get a bill every day, right? Right. And you, um, I mean, a little bit, a little bit, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but you use the woman a little bit for sex and companionship. And uh, didn't sit down and say, look, if you want to get married, I don't feel that way. Which you probably knew on the third date, right? Yeah. Right, so you kind of burned up 18 months of her life, right? Yeah. And yours, right? Of course, right? But she's on a different schedule, right? Right. And um, so... While I, I just certainly, it's, it's no, what do you care about my, my opinions? But I mean, it's no criticism or anything like that. But the reality is that you got the sex and companionship, right? Yeah. But you weren't acting with great honesty, right, during this period? Yeah, no, I wasn't being honest at all for most of it. Right. So when we spend a year and a half in that kind of situation, there's, you know, it's take what you want and pay for it, right? And so afterwards, you're going to feel depressed and kind of empty, right? Right. And you're going to feel not hugely proud, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you look back and say, this was a grand love that just didn't work out, right? Right. This was kind of like a sad little fling that just went on way too long. Right. Right. Which was negative for both of you. And, of course, since you've been around FDR for a long time, you could have picked up the phone any time, right? I got Sunday shows every week, right? Yeah, well, the Sunday shows are no good for me because of the time. It's like four in the morning, so... But, oh, come yeah. on. I mean, I know oh, what you mean. come on. Please don't give me that. You're so intelligent. Oh, man. Well, Have uh, you ever got at 4 I, o'clock in the morning to catch a plane? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, so you could get up at 4 o'clock in the morning if it's important enough for you, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Or, right. you know, you... Could have pinged. I mean, I pinged you and said, "Do you want to talk about this?" Because you were telling me you were feeling upset. This is not the end of the world for either of us, as far as the time goes, right? That's true. Right. I mean, there are plenty of other opportunities. There's no excuse. No, no. Please, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to criticize you at all, right? I mean, look, uh, yeah. you're uh, <laughs> you're so far ahead of me, and only having spent a year and a half in this kind of situation that I envy you and will go to my grave envying that it's only 18 months. I mean, so I'm, I'm in no ivory tower throwing stones here. So just so you understand that, I spent years and years in this sort of situation. 
right? So I'm not saying, oh, you have no excuse. You should have done this. You should. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm trying to do is to help you to understand that you want to get to this place. This procrastination is very important for you. This procrastination is essential because you engineered your life to get here. I'm, I lost you. I'm not following what you mean. Um, like the procrastination is good. Oh, the procrastination for you is excellent. Because you didn't okay. even feel the procrast... The fact that you're feeling this procrastination is fantastic. Because you didn't even feel the procrastination in your year-and-a-half-long relationship. This is a massive step forward. Right. But, I mean, I've always known that I've been prone to procrastination and other things. But you're saying that it's the fact even despite that knowledge of procrastination in my own life the fact that I didn't notice it and the most important thing in my life a relationship with someone else it's important that I'm feeling it now yeah I mean in a lot of ways procrastination is tied to this fantasy of immortality right I will have an infinity to get it right later down the road right right but you know you've got 10 years to find a mate and you just spend 20% of it on something that didn't work out, right? Yeah. So you don't have forever, right? Right. And you have a lot less of forever than you did before. So the fact that you're feeling procrastination means that you're noticing the passage of time and your unconscious is sounding all of these alarms saying there's too much that's unconscious for us, for us to succeed in a relationship. Because you didn't notice time passing, in a, in a way, obviously you did, but you didn't notice time passing when you were in a relationship with this woman, right? And not, to, not enough to do something about it, right? Right, you didn't even know that you were procrastinating really, right? Because when I told you, you were like, oh my God, <laughs> right? Right, right, yeah. So the fact that you're noticing procrastination at the moment is really important. And really, I mean, it's something to be really proud of. I know that sounds weird. It is something to be enormously proud of, that you have self-RTR to the point where you're really beginning to notice procrastination and the difficulty that it brings into your life. But I, I don't feel like it's RTR that brought it to me. It's just... I don't know. It's just frustration, but I guess... I know it's frustration and that's through RTR. I don't know, but I feel like I haven't been doing no, you, RTR. You have to look at the um you have to look at, at what you did in this relationship that is if I understand correct me if I'm wrong, that you hadn't done before, which was you began to really talk about your thoughts and feelings, right? Right. So right. this was new, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you really began to talk about your thoughts and feelings. And you bumped up against somebody else's indifference, fundamental indifference, right? Yeah. And hostility, right? Yeah. Now, tell me that was not a recreation of a childhood situation. The, you mean the, um, the indifference and the hostility? That you sharing what you really care about and think about and feel is met with indifference or hostility. Oh, yeah. I mean, not just a childhood one, but 
yeah, it's something that's continued throughout my life with my dealing with members of my family. Right. And the way that you've solved it, like all of us last tribe, the way that you've solved it is to avoid talking about your thoughts and feelings, right? Yeah. Well, because of this annoying brain viral infection of RTR, that's not really a viable option for you anymore, right? Right. So, I mean, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the, you know, part of the frustration with the procrastination recently is that the procrastination is also involved in RTR. I'm, I'm procrastinating RTRing with myself, but that is creating a lot of frustration because I know that it's not something that's I can continue. It's not something that you can continue not RTRing I mean, with yourself? Yeah, right. If I don't continue, if I continue not RTRing with myself, I'm going to lose myself. And I know that's not something I do. So. Can you tell me what you mean by lose yourself? I mean, you know, false self consume, consumption of the true self, like you've talked about before, you know, where there's just that point where the true self can't come back. Yeah, that's not going to happen to you. That happens to people who are willfully, consciously, and repeatedly cruel to others. Not to people who just let a girl go despite his desire for sex and companionship because he didn't want to completely ruin her chances of getting married. Right? It's important to, to, to make sure that... And, and I hope that somebody who's as interested in, in psychology and philosophy as you are is not going to be somebody who gets swallowed up by the false self. I think of those people like my mom or my dad or, you know, this weird freaky astrals on the board and stuff like that, right? Right. That's not you. you there's, there's not a big quagmire or chasm that's about to f- swallow up your true self. That's going to make you pretty stressed, Right. Right. And it's not that I see it immediately. It's just like the thought is if if the procrastination continues and I just never do it, I mean, eventually there's got to be a point where there's no going back. Back to what? I mean, there's no, there's no return from not... RTRing with yourself. Okay, let's say is what I let's think. say that that's true. Do you think that it is a good way to motivate someone? Let's say you're a coach, right? Uh, do you do you think it's a good way to motivate someone to come to training by saying that they will die a a, a painful and deadening spiritual death if they don't come and train? No. I mean, if you had a kid, is that how you'd motivate your kid in baseball? Your soul will die if you don't come and practice. Right. No. Do you understand that that's not a way to motivate someone? Yeah. Do you think that's a good way to motivate yourself? No. Do you understand that you don't have a model of positive, kind, gentle, and encouraging motivation? Yes. Go on. That's. I don't have a model for that. There's, there's never, there's been no one in my life 
that has tried to motivate me with kindness and gentleness. It was always, it was never motivation through um, penalties. It was more the carrot and the stick kind of motivation. Yeah, I'm where you get getting a lot of you get this. not much carrot at the moment, right? Right. Ah, uh, yeah. That doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, you've basically said my soul will die if I don't do this, and that's just, oh my god! <laughs> I mean, that's like about as motivating as a hangman's noose. Right. I mean, it's like you're putting a curse on yourself that you'll become some sort of undead human being, right? Yeah. And that, I mean, we don't have to get into your childhood because I don't want to keep you up all day, but, or me up all night, more accurately. But uh, it's clear to me that when someone wanted you to do something when you were a kid, they would just bully or bribe you, right? Right. Nobody ever said, what do you want to do? Or if you don't want to do something, I wonder why. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah, that never happened. Right. So you don't, I think, want to take on this persecution thing as an adult when you don't have to anymore, right? I mean, persecuting yourself was a perfectly viable, perfectly healthy, sensible survival strategy when you were a kid. But holding up these, the end of the world is nigh doom stickers at the moment to motivate yourself into becoming curious and empathetic with yourself clearly will never work, right? Yeah. You can't bully someone into having empathy. Right. You can't scare someone into being curious. Especially with yourself. Yeah, you can't you can't hold a sword to someone's throat and ask them to be gentle, right? Yeah. It's okay to be heartbroken. It's okay to have done what you did with the girl, because obviously she was using you too. I mean, this is not, and I'm not saying that's all it was, right? But it's okay to have this procrastination. It's, uh, you know, I would say stay away from the drinks myself at the moment, because I think you don't want to self-medicate to whatever small degree you're doing at this point. But I think you want to just try and be a little bit more gentle, uh, a lot more, totally gentle with yourself. Oh, um, um, concerned. Yeah, and, and curious, you know? Like, isn't it interesting that I have no motivation? I wonder why. With the knowledge that you have the bedrock of being a good person who has a lot of knowledge and wisdom under his belt, and that you can explore your procrastination without your career dying, without your soul dying, without your heart exploding or your head bursting into flames. You know, give yourself a little space. Give your little self a little space to be heartbroken, to be sad, to be unmotivated, to be depressed, and to be curious about that. And know that you will come back and you will do the right thing. But give yourself, because everything's an emergency a little bit with you, right? Like if I have to, right? There's no space where you could just say, eh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, obviously I have a big problem with procrastination right now. I'm going to see... Why? And maybe it'll take me a week, and maybe it'll take me a month, and maybe a whole bunch of shit won't get done in that month. But I just pissed away a year and a half in a dead-end relationship. I've got time. 
right? Clearly not being gentle with myself and not having curiosity with myself cost me 18 months in a dead-end relationship. So if I take a month now to turn that around, that seems like a good investment, doesn't it? Yeah. To give yourself some breathing room, some space, some non... Oh, I don't know what the right phrase is. Um, to, to, to dial down the rhetoric, to dial down the imminent disaster scenarios, if that makes sense. Yeah. But enough of my <laughs> stirring speeches such as they are. What, what, what do you think about what I'm saying? It, it doesn't, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, but I still feel like, you know, when I think about, when I look around and I see, you know, dishes not done and things that need to be cleaned up that aren't, and I just, and I think about the stuff that I want to do, I still feel that tension. Right. I, I, like look, I understand. In my I back. understand that. But we need to work empirically. You have felt that tension for weeks, if not longer, right? Right. How's it working? Not working. So if it's not working, what do we do? You got to change it. Something else. Anything else. Yeah. You can learn right. to play the bagpipes. It doesn't, I mean, anything that's different than what's not working is a step in the right direction, right? Because you're in kind of a, a bit of a cycle, right? Where you don't get stuff done, it raises your tension, and then you don't get even more stuff done, which raises your tension, and so it cycles, right? Right. You can't wake up one day magically wanting to get everything done. So take a day and stare at the sink and say, what do I feel when I look at that sink and the dishes aren't done? Feel the panic. Let the panic come up. Let the anxiety come up. It's trying to help you. I know it sounds completely weird and anti-intuitive. Your anxiety and your fear is trying to help you. Because if you'd felt more of that anxiety and fear, you wouldn't ever have started dating this woman to begin with, and you'd be a lot further along, right? Right. So avoidance of this anxiety and fear did not help you. Trying to bully yourself now is only, right, is only causing... Yeah. More inaction, right? Right. right. So do the opposite. Just sit and stare. Make, Make a list of everything that needs to get done. Stare at that list until you freak out. But don't do anything. Okay. Just feel the feelings that go along with having dishes in the sink. Because only once you understand why the dishes are really there will you be able to get up and do the dishes. If you force yourself, you're just denying yourself the knowledge that you need for your future. Right. Because we, we anarchists are all about not forcing people to do stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it's charity, not welfare, right? So fire. How can I claim to be an anarchist when I want to rule myself? Fire your own fascist, uh, you know, forget the government. Right. Fire your own Franco. Ditch mm. the inner Stalin and the world will become free. If we don't do that, there's nothing else that matters, right? Yeah.
it makes a lot of sense, but I still am... I'm... Part of it is I'm afraid of opening that door. Oh, I know. I know. I, like, I know. I know. It's a terrifying door the, to open. And most people will go through their entire lives doing the exact opposite of opening that door, which is inflicting all their suffering on others, right? Right. But we are made of stronger stuff than that. We know the, f- the fear. And we stare at that door and we imagine all kinds of horrible beasts what what's scary about it is part partly due to my situation is I'm afraid if I open that door there's going to be a period of time where I'm just going to be consumed by these feelings and I'm not in a position where I can just quit my job uh, you know if I quit my job I don't have a visa I can't live here yeah that won't happen look I I I went through three hours of therapy a week and did ten hours of journaling a week while still holding a job down okay right you are not possessed by insanity your emotions will do exactly the right thing to navigate you through they will be, if you let them, if you let them, if you don't fight them, right? This idea that we're possessed by these emotions that will make us run off cliffs, either literally or metaphorically, is just another scare story. It's exactly the same as saying, believe in Jesus or you'll go to hell. Repress your feelings or they will destroy you, right? Without right. a government, it's anarchy in the worst pejorative sense, right? If we let go of this grip of control, the world will cease its orbit, right? Yeah. That's what everybody says. If we let go of control, of forcing people, of coercion, of bullying, the world will fly off into space and we'll all die, right? Yeah. But we know that it's not true. And we know that it's not true politically, economically, and we also know that it's not true psychologically. It is the control and the self-bullying that is causing the emotional distortion. And relaxing the control, relaxing the bullying, and listening to your feelings, scary, it's not always easy, but neither is the free market easy, but we still advocate that, right? Right. Because it's just that it's fair and it's right and it's incredibly productive, right? Or you can say, okay, fuck my feelings. I'm going to keep a rigid control and battle my feelings for the next 60 fucking years. Like any goddamn Catholic on the planet who is afraid of uh, the devil, right? It's no different. We might as well be Catholics. At least we get wine on Sundays. Right. No, you're right. And, I mean, if we were at least Catholics, we'd have the community and whatnot. Yeah, you get, you get free therapy. All those positive benefits. <laughs> you get great songs, you know, you get uh, yeah. cool candlelight on Christmas. I mean, but if we're going to be atheist, there's no point mimicking the worst aspects of religion when it comes to self-management. And there's no point, 
you know, this is there's no point saying to people, oh, trust us, society will be better off without a government and then going home and berating ourselves and bullying ourselves <laughs> and controlling ourselves. And there's no point saying to people, I know that it seems completely scary to have a society without a government, but it'll be great. And then we go home and do the exact opposite, right? We say, you, oh, people out there, should face your fears of life without a government and accept them and give, give us the green lights, right? But yeah. we won't do that with ourselves. We, we won't face our fears of life without coercion and bullying and control. Our own souls, free of coercion. We say, trust the free market, trust the benevolence and the milk of human kindness, but we fear ourselves. And we are terrified that relaxing control will result in chaos and destruction. But that's why we never convince other people, right? Because they, they, they don't listen to our words. They listen to our feelings. They listen to our attitude. Are we relaxed? Are we not in control of ourselves in the, in the most positive way, where we have an ecosystem, we listen, right? Or are we a centrally planned economy advocating a free market? Right. And so I'm not saying this has nothing to do with do this so you'll be a more effective advocate for anarchy. I'm just saying that if you believe this shit, and I think you do, <laughs> then... No, it, it, right? Yeah, and I want to be an effective advocate. I mean, it's, it's part of why the only thing I have been doing recently is has been my focus on the language is because I want to start getting this stuff into into Japanese so that it can start to spread here too. So I do want to do that, but you're right, it's I mean I saw on that on that Skeptics Guide post that I made the effectivelessness of of my communication about these ideas. It's, yeah. Right. I mean, pe people understand that I am relatively free with my own emotions, right? Right. Um, sometimes uncomfortably so for people. It's like, he shouldn't be doing that if he's sober and has a British accent, right? But, right. but it's because of the freedom with myself that is not easy. I mean, look, I really sympathize with this challenge that you face, this door, as you put it. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. But it is much less terrifying than what we ask of society, right? Yeah. And if we right. can't do it, we don't have any right to ask society to face a much bigger fear, which is life without a government, right? Because all you're worried about is, you know, well, I might lose my job. People think life without a government is like war and slaughter and rape and right. Yeah. Mad Max. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, the, the reason that I think that people um, find my communications useful is they, they get at a very deep level that I do not rule myself or bully myself too much sometimes, but, but not too much, right? Yeah. They listen to the words because of the emotional content. Nobody buys my arguments because they're such great arguments. They buy that I am free and therefore when I talk about freedom with sympathy for people who are struggling because, man, I, I totally get it. It's just a terrifying thing. But I think that it will be 
so much less scary once you take that first step. It's just that first step. After the first step, after you go into that door and you realize there aren't monsters yeah. and there is light and there is companionship even in there, uh, but it's just opening that door and going through because it's all marked with you know radioactive, dangerous sludge monsters, biohazards, blah, 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 right? Right. So yeah, this is my prescription. You know, you can you can use it. You can do something else, whatever you like, right? Stare at those dishes in the sink and say, "Why are the Why are they there?" And don't take any easy answers. Think about your history. Think about your past. What feelings do the dishes in the sink? Do your indifference? Does your procrastination? What feelings does that bring up in you? Keep exploring those feelings. Think of similar situations in the past. What happened when I wanted to procrastinate as a kid? What am I rebelling against now? What am I resisting now? And how can I accept it rather than fight it? Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. And then, I guarantee you, you do that, you won't have any problems falling in love with the right woman. So you when you do, sorry, when you don't control yourself, you lose the desire um, to control other people. Right. To manage other people. And so they have room to breathe, you have room to breathe, and uh, love can flourish. Right. How was uh, this for you? This is, uh, we, we covered a lot of ground, to say the least, but and we didn't really get into your family, but, but how was the combo for you? Was it youthful? Yeah, um, it was. It was very useful. Um, just, you know, it's usually given me a lot of new ways of thinking about things that I haven't thought about before. You know, I always thought that procrastination was just this thing you have to be afraid of and not, you know, something you can't, um, that can't bring any good, but thinking about it and not that it's necessarily a good thing but just the fact that it's something that I can sit with and learn a lot about myself from it is something I never thought about before and I think it's going to be really valuable to see what comes out of that. Right and and your parents are right insofar as I can guarantee you that what you will learn about exploring your procrastination is some ugly truths about your family. The, 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 it's things that your parents don't want you to know. That's why right? they, they, they say don't ever, you know, procrastination is just bad and you should do X, Y, and Z and, and bully, blah, blah, blah. Because if you explore procrastination and your emotional relationship to it, things that are not flattering to them will come out for sure. Uh, ways in which you were taught and coached and instructed and so on. Um, and a lot of um, uh, sophisticated maneuvering on the part of your parents psychologically will become clear to you. So in a sense, they are saying there's nothing good in it, but they forget to add, for us, right? Right, right. right. Or not. Yeah, but they obviously don't add, right? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, I will send you a copy of this. Uh, obviously, I think... Sorry. What do you think? Sorry, one more time? Sure. Uh, I will send you a copy of this, of course. Uh, I'll post it on the um, uh, on the reply to the uh, chat on the board. 
Uh, obviously, I think it would be hugely helpful for other people. We haven't mentioned any names, but do have a listen and let me know what you think and, uh, and let me know. Yeah, as far as uh, putting it out, um, I won't have a chance to listen to it until um, probably tomorrow. But uh, yeah, go ahead and put it out. I'm fine with that. Okay, well, thanks. I will definitely send I mean, it's the least I can do. Oh, listen, uh, you've, been, you've been wonderfully generous. I hugely, I mean, you have supported the site both um, uh, you know, in terms of your presence, your posting, uh, the work you've done, the donations. Uh, I mean, uh, you, 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 you only have to ask, uh, and anything I can do to help, uh, I am happy to do. Hey, what's happening, brother? I, I don't know. <laughs> when did you feel the uh, emotion come up? Just as you were saying that. Was it the part where I was uh, acknowledging your kindness uh, and generosity and support, or was it when I offered uh, more support for myself? Um, both. Right. Yeah, it, it is amazing how perpetual, perpetually hungry we always are, right? And we don't even really notice it till we get food, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this tells me a lot, and this is, again, more to examine um, with sensitivity and curiosity within yourself, you know, just how little appreciation you've gotten for some of the, I mean, obviously, I think you're a very generous and kind person, but how little acknowledgement it sounds like you've gotten for that in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, how little offers of help, right? Well, yeah. Every offer of help was a... Sorry, was you? No, every offer of help was another um, way to try and control me. Right, right. right. Oh, okay, so when I talk about uh, uh, relinquishing self-control and um, being a sort of free market ecosystem and then offer to help, then obviously it's not about controlling you, and so that breaks a pattern for you, and that uh, that, that probably had something to do with why you uh, felt a, a sudden rush of feeling in that way. Right. Do you want to talk more about this? I don't want to keep... If you want to sit with your feelings, that's totally fine with me. Did you want to talk more about the feelings that you're feeling, or do you want to take some time? What's your, what is your pleasure? Um, no, I think I'm going to take some time with this. I'm just going to sit with it. Okay, magnificent work tonight, uh, today for you, I guess. I don't know, what is it? Like December where you are? <laughs> some crazy... <laughs> yeah. Fantastic work. I just hugely admire um, uh, the work that you're doing. This is tough stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the work you did on this call was, you know, really focused and really great. So, so good job for what it's worth. I appreciate that. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye.